Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Need realestatexpertonline.com. Your personal financial revolution starts now. Go to realestatexpertonline.com. That's realestatexpertonline.com. Realestatexpertonline.com. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. an offense because you never really know you don't know what situations you're going to come up into so I'm excited to see what it is I don't know what it's going to be but uh, we're going to learn something we're going to get better on Saturday next game up 10 o'clock kicks Chargers and the Cardinals last night it was the Jets blanking the Falcons 17 to nothing Sam Darnold the number three overall draft pick in April was the Jets third quarterback of the game doing pretty well they're hoping he's going to be the future Throwing a couple of touchdown clips. He finished 13 of 18 for 96 yards. Here's what he had to say about this first one out of the shoot. It's just, it's amazing to come out here and finally play football um, against a different opponent than ourselves. You know, it's, it's cool to be able to get our first win as a team, uh, a shutout. You know, defense played great tonight. So it was just a, you know, great collective effort by the whole team. And it was really fun to be able to come out here and, and you know, just have a great time with, with my teammates. Yeah, so again, the crowd went wild. It was more about just the throws than anything else, I think. So we jump to the scoreboard to tell you that the Red Sox and the Orioles are going at it. Right now, the Red Sox lead 5 nothing. In fact, that wrapped up David Price, six innings, giving up just five, five hits, no runs in that one. Tiger Woods tied for fourth right now at the PGA Championship. Kate Delaney, NBC Sports Radio. Wet and Wild Palm Springs is the one where you get big water park fun. Yeah, dive into all the action-packed thrills. With exciting rides, slippery slides, cool water adventures, and so many ways to just chill. So get everyone together and get to Wet and Wild Palm Springs. For unlimited fun, get a season pass. Buy now, get a free ticket for a friend, and more. All for just $64.99 at wetandwildpalmsprings.com or at Food for Less. Offer ends soon. Park open daily. The Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands is serving up some really cool ice cream at La Micho Acana. Then get your chocolates and other delights from Seas Candies. 
Moms and future moms who visit the mall can cool off and relax while they get treated like royalty at Shiny Nails or Francis Nails and then pampered at Texture Hair. The Tri-City Center is filled with retailers who care about you. Shop at the Tri-City Center in Redlands and see why they call it the Mall with a Heart. When Michelle lost her job, her home, and her children because of her addiction, she was desperate to make a change. She felt hopeless. Then she discovered Cedar House Life Change Center in Bloomington. Their staff showed Michelle how to live drug-free and be the mother she always knew she could be. You know what it feels like to be trapped in your addiction? Too many people in our community feel that way every day. That's why Cedar House is here, to help with a range of residential and outpatient care. To support the mission of recovery, visit cedarhouse.org, where they say... Come grow with us. Every day is a great day at KCAA Radio. August 10th is National Shapewear Day. This day has been a long-standing, important, and at times essential article of clothing that has built confidence and poise for centuries. National Shapewear Day celebrates the history, current trends, and continued use and evolution of body-shaping garments. Shapewear has become barely recognizable from the constricting, cumbersome, and impractical garments worn by our predecessors. Shapewear has evolved to meet the varied and sophisticated needs of today's modern society and is created from some of the most advanced materials available. Constructed of breathable, flexible, and durable fabric, shapewear comes in almost any style and shape that essentially is custom fit for anyone looking to add a garment to their wardrobe. Today's shapewear is so versatile and practical, it smooths and supports even the most stubborn spots of the body. Whatever the occasion, shapewear will always have you covered. For KCAA NBC Radio, I'm Andrew Caravella, and this has been The More You Know. Hey guys, this is Andrew Caravella. Just wanted to let you know that KCAA has a new listener line for all of you that have a phone. Now you can listen to KCAA in the grocery store, in the doctor's office, or when you want to pretend you're on the phone with someone just so that creeper will leave you alone. Call 720-835-3099 today and listen to your favorite KCAA radio shows. That number again, 720-835-3099. KCAA radio, the station that leaves no caller or listener center behind. Did you know that every dollar you put into a piece of real estate makes you money five ways? Cash flow, money in your pocket each month. Equity capture, the thousands of dollars you create when you have the right team and buy the right property using the right map. Appreciation, real estate doubles in value about every 10 years. Equity buildup, renters pay down your mortgage each month. And finally, the tax advantage. We pay almost no taxes on our cash flow and capital gains. These are the five ways we make money in real estate, which is why real estate accounts for more millionaires in the world today than any other investment vehicle. You should have some real estate in your portfolio. To learn how, attend one of our free workshops. Call 1-866-971-8970 or go to getmymapnow.com and register for the next available workshop. That's 866-971-8970 or GetMyMapNow.com KCAM You've heard FM. Now, tune in to DM Radio, the world's longest-running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back once again 
It's the DM Radio. Yes, indeed. My name is Eric Cavanaugh. I will be your humble, if excitable host for the show that is designed, after all, to peel away the marketing veneer, get down to brass tacks, and figure out what is going on in the field of information management of data. The topic for today is a, a very hot topic in this field, data science. But I love the fact that we're going to get right down to brass tacks and talk about use cases. So a lot of times in the technology world, especially in the enterprise software realm, a lot of folks will talk about what's possible and the big ideas and the blue sky and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to do something with these technologies. You have to actually apply them and change something about your business. So what is that going to look like? That's what we're going to talk about today. We have an absolute all-star cast today, folks. We have Stephen Pratt from Noodle AI. We have Steve Wood from Dell Boomi. We have Stephen Smith from Eckerson Group and Carla Gentry, uh, who is a an analyst, or data scientist, basically, for hire. She's out there doing really cool things with all kinds of companies. And we're going to learn from them what is going on in the field of data science. So in the spirit of getting right down to it, uh, let's go ahead and bring in our first guest, Carla Gentry, ladies first. Data scientist, you've been wearing that hat for a while now. Talk about what you do out there, what your raison d'etre is, as the French would say, and how data science plays into your day-to-day life. <laughs> well, I am a, a data scientist, of course, and the founder of Analytical Solution. I started that about seven years ago. But actually, I've been working in data science since the 90s. Uh, I graduated in uh, 97, and my first job right out of college was an econometrical consulting firm, say that three times, wow. where we worked with <laughs> risk assessment with Discover Financial Services. So it's been an illustrious career, you know, a CPG, Kraft, Kellogg's, Johnson & Johnson. And I wanted to bring that type of, of data analysis and data science and advanced analytics Two companies that didn't necessarily have a multi-million dollar uh, a budget. So I've worked with some wonderful uh, clients over the last seven years. I've worked with Vince uh, Granville at Data Science Central. I've worked with PBA out in St. Louis. I've worked with Deloitte. Uh, I've worked with Talent Analytics and Samtech and a few other companies. And basically what they're wanting to do from a business aspect is look at how we can make the company better. And that's either through customer service, you can use text analysis, or you can use artificial intelligence, machine language to be able to set up chatbots and be able to answer questions that are easy. Uh, the thing is, is not everybody fits into standardized kind of thing, so they'll always be outliners. So you want to make sure that your customers also have access to a real person. So um, branding, we can get the message out through social media and the different venues. Marketing, what's your best customer? Sales, what's your best customer as well? So, I mean, it's more in marketing, uh, web analytics, uh, influence marketing, things like that, to try to make awareness of the product and to be able to get more people on board. But uh, there's also other aspects of it as well. Uh, you can use data science and risk assessment. You can use it in sales. Hmm. Uh, a lot of times people want to increase their sales, but they don't know if that's a combination of reducing their prices or offering incentives or bringing in uh, new products. So pricing mm -hmm. is one of the most difficult things, especially when you have products that are set at different price points. So like a company, if you buy one product to 100, it's this price. But if you buy it at 101 to 500, it's at this price. So it's, 
it's about price optimization, but it's also about making sure that you have the right amount of inventory on stock. Think about Walmart, you know, when all of their products are, are kind of, they're using the Internet of Things and getting more into the advanced technologies. So they know when their inventory is getting low based off their POS sales or point of sales from the register. So they see that they sold eight uh, camping chairs and they only have 12, you know, so now they need to order more. Uh, also, cybersecurity, which I know is a big thing right now. I mean, you can actually... You know that if X, Y, and Z happens, you're probably being hacked. Uh, DDoS, hmm. you know, attacks and things right. like that always have that linchpin. Something has to happen for them to be able to get into your system, whether they've gained access through a back door, door or whatever. Uh, so you can use it in many aspects of business, including hiring. HR is now hmm. becoming more data-driven, and they talk about it as the future of work, uh, Yes, AI will be used, and it can be used with making, you know, the initial contact with with someone and, and see if they pass certain criteria. But also, we, we have to really dive in and think about what machine learning is. Now, machine learning teaches computers to do what naturally comes to you and me. It's experience. Right. So their experience is data. So machine algorithms use math to learn directly from the data without a predefined equation as a model. So basically it's look, gathering all of this data and it knows that people are asking the same question over and over and it has an answer for it. If you ask it a question it doesn't have an answer for, then it'll turn you over to an operator where you can talk to someone more freely. So think mm, about yeah. in a call center situation what this would free up. I mean, your biggest expense in a call center are your employees. So if you have 100 employees, but they're all being tied up answering the same basic questions, why not have, you know, artificial intelligence chatbots, you know, different ways of using the technology that's available to us now uh, to be able to answer those questions. And then your call center people can really handle the issues, you know, like, oh, I lost my password. Okay, well, that's pretty easy. We just reset your password oh, well, something is wrong, I didn't get this product. I need to speak to someone so that I can get this product. I was charged directly. Yeah, those are all really good. Yeah, those are all really good examples, and I think what you've done here is laid some good groundwork to help people understand that the data science component that is AI, for example, artificial intelligence, a lot of times is focused on not the incredibly complex breaking down the genome type use case, but rather handling a lot of the mundane stuff such that people who are, let's face it, the sentient creatures in the room here can handle the more difficult things, right? That's one of the lessons I've been learning lately about really solid AI implementations is that they focus on acute, tedious tasks that would take people, you know, a lot of time to do, even though they're very simple, but can be done automatically by these AI bots, right? Exactly, exactly. Perfectly put. Thank you. <laughs> no worries uh, but, at all. You know, Go ahead. You know, well, think about it. Every variable that's selected, if you're going to put it into a, a machine learning situation, it's going to have to be converted to binary. I mean, think about it. Zeros or no's, ones or yeses. So in certain situations when we get into multivariable calculus in the advanced math, we really need to, to do a lot of data muzzling, as we call. You know, they say data scientists are the sexiest uh, 
job of the sentry, but really 80% of our job is doing janitorial work and getting the data in a usable fashion so we can do something with it. So my advice is for businesses, think about this. You're willing to pay a data science. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's just a quarter of a million dollars a year, but you're going to pay your data entry person minimum wage. Garbage yeah. in, garbage out. I mean, uh, really, I spend a lot of time trying to do match data or fuzzy matching and, and one-to-one matchings and many-to-many matching where, you know, avenue versus spelled out versus AV period versus AVE. I mean, it, it's just really a, a kind of a data mess where you really have to go in and clean it out before you can actually do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent point as well. And you do have to understand your use cases. I think you did a fantastic job there outlining a really wide variety of use cases for data science. So you can really tackle just about anything, like you said, from hiring to marketing to sales optimization, etc. And I think part of the reason why we're seeing so much innovation in the data science space right now is because we really kind of need it. If you look at just the marketing side, and that's a an area near and dear to my heart, there is so much data available these days, whether it's clickstream analysis, user behavior, uh, buyer behavior, etc. all the data you get from your email marketing, from your social media. There's just a ton of data out there, and someone has to make sense of it. And I think more often than not, you're going to get some kind of data science uh, application or process involved to really make sense of all that stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. You're going to use a text analysis or you know, sentiment analysis or semantic analysis to be able to count the frequency. So, therefore, you know, your biggest complaint is, you know, the server being down or, you know, they, they couldn't attain access to a VPN. So you start to see all these things rise to the top. And then we can get into, you know, more than dashboards, we can get into be predictive. You know, I do want to caution people, though, because, I mean, think about machine learning. Uh, some of these machines are still having the trouble figuring out the difference between a chihuahua and a blueberry muffin. So we still have a ways to go. Um, There are a lot of false positives, false negatives out there. And remember, when you're working with algorithms, an outliner is a human being's life. So when you're writing an algorithm and it's biased and you've now made someone become an outlier, they potentially lose their home. We're talking about life and death versus because they use these algorithms in jails and prisons, whether, you know, people get parole. I mean, we can use this historical information, but keep in mind that we must not overgeneralize and put everybody into the same bucket because there are always exceptions to the rules. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's why even with machine learning and AI and data science, we still have to have people. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, and I tell you what, I'm going to write that down for a topic to dive into 
during the roundtable. So stick around for that, Carla, and let's bring in our next guest. We have Stephen Pratt from a company called Noodle AI. We had someone a few weeks ago on the show as well, and really another really smart person. So, Steve, tell us a bit about what you guys are doing because you have some really interesting use cases for data science. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, so uh, so Noodle AI, um, I guess in a nutshell that we do is uh, we're using uh, data science to create a, a new generation of business leaders, um, and that's arming uh, leaders in business uh, with very advanced uh, algorithms uh, that are able to fix problems before they occur and take advantage of opportunities they hadn't seen before. So a lot of predictive and prescriptive analytics uh, that uh, consume uh, uh, tons and tons of data, process it on a high-performance computing platform, uh, apply very advanced mathematics in the form of a learning algorithm, uh, and then we combine this with subject matter experts. Um, and so that's, in a nutshell, what we do. Our, our business model is, is that um, we offer... Uh, AI applications in specific industries, uh, and uh, where AI is a service. So uh, instead of having to go through the uh, the, uh, the the hassle and the the tremendous burden of building out a full scale team and data engineering and data science and high performance computing and so forth, uh, that we do that all for you, and you simply uh, subscribe to our applications uh, on a monthly basis. That's what we do. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. So it's basically outsourced data science for your particular need. And I think it's very clever and very appropriate that you focus so much attention on the domain experts. Because, you know, Carla kind of hinted at this, but if you're going to roll up your sleeves and engage a, a truly scientific process with data, you must make sure that you have some experts involved who can help, A, define what you're going to build here, but B, to make sure that data, that algorithm is trained properly and make sure that there are business benefits that you wanted, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think framing the problem uh, is especially important, um, and it has to be uh, pointed at, a, uh, at, a, uh, at, a, at an issue that will create uh, tremendous business value. It's one uh, that meets the fundamental requirements of data science, where... Uh, the data science will uh, identify high-value, non-obvious patterns in your data, and to be offer and can offer a solution that's, uh, that's going to help change your business. And uh, so we found yeah. some really exciting applications uh, uh, in in, the, in a couple different industries. Yeah, tell us about those. You got some really cool stuff going on about steel, even right? How does data science help with steel? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so in Noodle AI, we focus uh, specifically on uh, industrial manufacturing, so very heavy manufacturing and, and steel and aluminum production and things like aircraft engines, uh, and then also in consumer products. Uh, so, yeah, we've made we've uh, um, uh, been able to create the world's first learning steel mills, um, and the way we do this is we have developed a series of applications. Uh, throughout the steel production life cycle uh, that have uh, been able to create the the most profitable and highest quality steel uh, that exists uh, anywhere in the world. Um, 
So, uh, for instance, in, in steel production specifically, uh, we do everything from uh, at the very beginning of predicting the spread uh, of price between uh, scrap steel and finished steel. Um, so that can help you uh, figure out what kind of steel to make. Um, we're doing a lot in uh, energy production. So a lot of uh, modern steel mills use something called an electric arc furnace, uh, where there's basically an anode and a cathode, and then you put uh, shredded like cars and refrigerators and whatever in the middle and run this giant uh, arc of electricity wow. through the uh, <laughs> through the steel, and that's how you create molten steel. Um, wow. When an electric arc furnace is running, it uses more electricity than a medium-sized city. Uh, so this is a very Holy big uh, cost to the company and, ob <laughs> and obviously has a big impact on uh, electricity consumption, uh, which is something we want to make sure that we do wisely and not over-consume. So we, we predict into the future uh, how much electricity is going to be used uh, for each heat, which is the process of making steel. Um, and, um, and so we're using all kinds of data to predict that. Things like uh, what's the chemistry uh, in, the, uh, in the shredded, uh, in, the, in the scrap uh, steel that goes in. Uh, even uh, did it rain in the last week? Well, in, what was the humidity? Wow. Uh, things like um, which crew is operating the steel mill? Because different... Uh, operators of a steel mill, like different drivers, some are super aggressive and some are uh, more more leisurely. Uh, and so taking into account all those data and a lot more, um, uh, thousands of features, uh, we're able to very accurately predict how much energy is consumed. Uh, and, um, and then you can actually sell electricity back to the grid. And you can also partner with the electric company to make sure that uh, you're not ca causing outages anywhere. We're also doing wow. things in like predictive maintenance, uh, on-time delivery, uh, a lot of uh, safety measures uh, to predict things like caster breakouts and, and things that are very, very dangerous in steel production. So we've been able to really yeah. transform steel from a kind of this rusty industry into, um, <laughs> into a real modern data-driven process. We like to say it's that, sort of, you know, the heartland meets Silicon Valley. Right? Yeah. No, that's that's fantastic um, stuff, and to your point, um, it's really important because if you look at how much money it costs to do that stuff, you, it makes sense to go and invest some time and energy in a data science program because you can really optimize the, the throughput, you can optimize the use of the energy, you can optimize everything, and I, I happen to know a little bit at least about material science, and uh, it's very important stuff, especially if that if that steel is going to be used for skyscrapers or something of that nature. You need the process to be as pure as possible, right? We've got one minute till break. Go ahead. Yep, abs yeah, absolutely. I mean, so that's, uh, uh, I mean, the, the quality is, uh, uh, and predicting the quality in any, in any issues is, is really, really important. And just really uh, super quickly on consumer products, um, you know, we're, what we're doing is fixing fundamental problems, like you have SAP APO that most companies use to manage, manage inventory. Um, it's not designed for highly dynamic operations. Uh, and so mm. we're able to predict into the future and allow people to figure out what they should be producing and how they should allocate that inventory to uh, different locations. So very exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's actually fantastic stuff. I've seen a lot of activity in digital supply chain, especially in very complex environments. We have a lot of stuff coming in, a lot of stuff going out. You want to optimize all that, and data science is how you get that stuff done. Well, folks, we'll be right back after this break. Don't touch that dial. You are listening to DM Radio. First, it was the grade schools in England banning hugs and terms like best friend. I made fun of them, then it happened here. And now, this kind of thinking has made it up through the grades and happens at the universities, too. Not so happy in Happy Valley, next on Dan's Life. A great radio show may sound like it's easy to make, but if you've ever tried, you know that's not the case. With the time spent engineering, producing, and archiving, you end up losing focus on what really matters, the content of your show. If you put your show on the Gab Radio Network, you'll be able to leave all those technical worries to our staff of highly trained engineers and producers. And all you need to do is have fun and put on a great show. Want to find out more? Send an email over to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. So the outing club at Penn State, they go on outings like outdoors, and it's the students in charge. So the risk assessment honchos at Penn State decided that it was too risky to let the outing club continue on student-led excursions. Mind you, these are all adults in college, not kids, not minors, grown-ups, able to vote, able to buy firearms, many able to buy alcohol, all able to serve in the military. Having spent a couple of years in risk assessment, I can tell you without question that heading into the great outdoors is risky. There could be an accident. You could lose a freshman, a fight could break out, a Yeti could make off with the hot dog buns, an asteroid could obliterate the campsite. Whatever happened to signing a waiver, absolving the university of responsibility, hold harmless. That's what you agreed to when you signed. So no more caving at Penn State, no more scuba diving, no more camping or glamping. I love this part of the report. It cited lack of reliable cell service at those remote locations, which are favorite spots to camp. What if there's an emergency? I'll tell you what, you deal with it. You prepare as much as possible, and when there's a medical emergency, you respond. What about danger at football games? I get wanting our kids to be safe, but please, let them fly away on their own sooner rather than... Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, talking all about data science today on DM Radio. It's such a fascinating topic. Honestly, if you look at the history of data management and then the history of data science, if you will, and it's almost like uh, in the history of the world, how, remember Carl Sagan talked like billions and billions of stars, and uh, Earth's been around four billion years, and then people have been around this tiny little slice. And that's kind of how I feel about data science, but it's just so rich and powerful for what it can do if you know how, when, why, and where to apply it. And to help us understand all that is Stephen Smith from Eckerson Group. Stephen, welcome to DM Radio. Tell us a bit about your work in the data science space for Eckerson Group. And total disclosure, I'm a really good friend of Wayne Eckerson, so I love these guys. Stephen Smith, tell us what you're doing out there. Uh, thanks, Eric, and uh, thanks to everybody who's listening. Um, yeah, my background is, uh, like Carla, I have been working in data science since the, the 1990s. Uh, so I've seen the ups and the downs. And I guess my takeaway is um, we've seen the peaks and the valleys, and this is certainly a peak. Um, but I think this time it's different. I think uh, this has got some real staying power. And I think the 
interest in data science right now is really driven by some data, some big data-driven companies like Netflix and Amazon, which um, really are, you know, getting. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Significant um, commercial advantage over their competitors by using data mm. science and really being data-driven, if not model-driven. And... Um, my job at Eckerson Group is to look at all of the use cases out there and also all the products out there in data science, try to figure out where it's headed, um, you know, what's working, what's not working. And typically, people call us in from Eckerson Group because they want to know how to get started with data science. Um, we're really at the point now where everybody, I mean, really every company should be using data science, but it's it's complex, and a lot of folks don't know how quick they get started. And then when they yeah, are that's... started, they really want to know where they are in their industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point right there. So let's just do some role playing. I, I heard you on DM Radio. We've got a mid-sized enterprise. Let's say I don't know. We're in whatever industry, consumer packaged goods, whatever the case may be. We we know we need to do something. What's your advice for how to get started? What's the first step? Well, what I've seen successful is something I call service wrap data science um, is a first step, which is don't be shy about recognizing you don't know <laughs> what's going on with data science and hire some consultants. Um, uh, you know, first thing to do is to read a book like um, Predictive Analyt and that Analytics, which I highly recommend, which is just chock full of all kinds of use cases um, for data science, predictive analytics and um, find one that looks like it might match for your particular company. And um, rank order them, uh, pick one, go for it, get some results, and then kind of leverage that. Um, the, the thing that, that I've seen, though, is that um, people oftentimes get stuck uh, in an experimental stage where they are just kind of doing one model at a time, trying it out, and they haven't really productionized or operationalized it, which is where they need to go eventually. So... Oh. Um, I use the um, yeah. So I, I use the metaphor of uh, a ham sandwich <laughs> to to talk about uh, operationalizing data science um, in the following sense. Everybody's been focusing on the ham and the Swiss cheese and you know basically the middle of the sandwich, which is the quality of the cool machine learning and AI algorithms. Um, but I, mean, I just had a great ham sandwich the other day. If you don't have a slice of bread on either end of it, it's pretty darn messy. And that's what we see <laughs> when folks are using data science. I mean, at some point, they gotta they got to worry about the data processing on one end and, uh, and just the data operations on the other end, the model operations. Very boring stuff, um, but it, it makes for a much more uh, pleasurable experience if you have uh, the slices of bread there along with your data science sandwich. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I like very simple metaphors because they get the point across there. And you know, you made another really good point at the beginning of your segment talking about uh, this whole issue of the big guys of the Amazons of the world and what they're able to do with their technologies 
And uh, it's it, they really are getting s- very serious competitive advantage, in part because they've invested in data science, in part because they have so much freaking data to use. I mean, my goodness, if you're Amazon, think about the yeah. treasure troves of data you have, right? And, and it does require industrial strength engineering to get there, though, right, to, to use that stuff. Yeah, and it's the quality of data. You know, back in the 1990s, um, you know, a lot of these algorithms existed, not quite as good as they are today, but the data was really noisy and messy. I think, you know, Carla made the, you know, the, the, the point about, you know, want to have good data input. Um, but when you're actually in an ecosystem, a closed ecosystem, where your website is collecting the data, you can make sure that that data is really good. Um, and the reality is that you have even companies, like I did a case study on Monsanto, and that's an agricultural company. They grow stuff, right? They do seeds and um, pesticides and things like that. Um, that's become a data-driven company um, because they have to do things like uh, genetic engineering and keeping track of um, – they actually have sensors out in the fields now to see how fast the crops are growing and things like that. And uh, data science is basically the gift that keeps on giving. You don't have to create a new product. You don't have to have a new tagline, a new marketing program. You just basically, once you have the core competency of data science developed in your company, everything gets better. Every decision just gets mm. better. And maybe it's only a 10% mm. improvement. That's usually enough, though, to change your market share. Hmm. Yeah, and the key is really to focus on where you need it the most, right? Is it in sales? Is it in execution? Uh, to Stephen Pratt's example, is it in the material science of banging out steel and getting that done very efficiently? Wherever you want to focus is where you're going to get the most business value, right, the low-hanging fruit? Yeah, absolutely. The folks we see successful, as I said, when they get started, um, go grab a great book that talks about use cases, find out which ones apply to your business, and then rank order them. Basically, two orderings. One is how hard are they going to be to do, and the other one is how big an impact are they going to have on the business? And then pick one, and then uh, you know go knock it out of the park, and then that will give you political leverage then to do the next one. And uh, you, basically, you you do that project by project, and that's successful. And then eventually, you need to kind of move to a platform or operationalize it. Yep, and and that's a good segue to the question I had in my mind. So thank you for reading my mind. <laughs> but on the operational side, you know, a lot of times these these days with very sophisticated infrastructure, you can operationalize just via an API, right? Or to, to the listeners out there who don't know what that means, that's an application program interface, and it's basically how everything in the cloud talks to each other. You have all these APIs. All I'm a marketing guy, so all of the marketing tools out there have APIs, and now within organizations, if they have the right setup, you can literally connect your data science algorithms and the outputs to an API, which feeds right into some operational system and controls pricing or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah, that is a fundamental, that's a really, really good point. There's a fundamental change. Um, You know, way back when, when I was writing code, you know, you were either a Fortran programmer or a C programmer, you know, or a Lisp programmer. Um, but nowadays, you basically can create these pieces of code in whatever language you like, and then exactly as you said, you've got these great interfaces, the API, the REST API, microservices, that allow you to kind of fit them all together. And the good news for people who are just getting started in data science is 
you don't have to write everything from scratch. There's just unbelievable right. packages that already exist that you can just plug into, get started, you know, get it working, um, and then you know optimize it over time if you want to. Yeah, that's such a good point, and that's actually a great segue to our final guest of the day. We have Steve Wood from Dell Boomi out there. And Dell Boomi, for those who don't know it, has done some really cool work around cloud integration. So, Steve Wood, welcome to DM Radio. Tell us a bit about uh, what Dell Boomi is doing in the whole cloud integration space to enable data science. Cool. Yeah, thank you. No, appreciate the time. Um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, Boomi has traditionally been an, an integration vendor, and if you, if you want to think about that, you know, from a data science perspective, I mean, our role in this whole puzzle or in this sandwich, if you like, is is unlocking the data and is getting the data out so that you know you can do the data science on it, and that that is increasingly becoming a, a huge challenge for those organizations. There's obviously cloud. We talked, you talked about APIs and getting access there, but you know, when we look at Customers like you know the Environmental Protection Authority in Victoria, you know they're getting their data. You know they're obviously trying, working hard to protect the environment. That's obviously a very topic, topical conversation these days. But that that work involves sensors uh, in places like lamp posts around Victoria, and drones flying all over the place, and satellite information. So data, not just in the cloud, but it's on-prem, it's on devices, it's coming at you from all angles, it's, it's coming from everywhere. And our technology is really about connecting it all together, unlocking it, and making it available to data science. You can kind of get, get those uh, answers that you're looking for. So but that's you know, the key piece of what Boomi's up to these days. Yeah, so explain to our audience how a lot of this stuff gets done, because I was saying, I think before the show, that we are uh, entering this whole new phase of integration in the cloud, and it's, it's again, by demand, right? Necessity is the mother of invention, and because there is so much data now in the cloud and so much functionality and so much e-commerce, so many partner networks are now connected through cloud integration, it's really a different game than it was even three to four years ago, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, we're seeing, I mean, the, the proliferation of data is, is getting, you know, out of control, but also the, the use cases around data are getting huge. Like, so, for example, I mean, there are large data sets that sit, you know, in places that can't get centralized into the cloud. You can't move 100, you know, 200, 300 terabytes of data into a central data repository. So you have to be able to connect to it, do some edge analytics on it, bring you know the, maybe the results back or some set of information back. But, it, but the challenges are very real. So our our, our goal is you know fundamentally our, our our big goal, and I think the the big problem that we're seeing is that you need to be able to connect everything together from your applications, your databases, wherever they may be. That there's a wealth of very valuable data all over the place from devices, as I mentioned earlier, sensors, drones, even satellites. Uh, also, what people are doing, you know, understanding what's happening with your customers, what journey are they going through, as much like e-commerce and stuff like that. So it's like, how do you connect all that data from people, applications, databases, across a hybrid landscape of technology all the way down to devices and manage the flow of that data around your organization. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's what we, we certainly excel at. We think if you can kind of capitalize on that and get your arms around it, then um, that data will certainly, you know, drive, you know, powerful analytics and also fuel uh, AI and machine learning. And I think um, obviously the other piece, which is, of course, the one bit that people don't talk about, which is 
you know, as you can get the data out, but you also need to make sure it's correct and it's high quality. So you can't just be mm-hmm. a ton of data. You want to make sure at least it's, it's as much as possible good quality data before you start making, you know, predictive models on it. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. we, see, we see a lot there. And so we work with, you know, customers like Moderna, who do things in advanced, um, you know, messenger RNA medicines that are used for, like, cancer to cardiometabolic issues, and they're getting their data from all over the place, and when they're doing their data science, what they need to do to innovate in their medicines, they got to bring the data together, and it's coming from all over the place, um, and so we're helping them do that so they can drive analytics and uh, AI to help them innovate their medicines. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of where that's... we see our, our, our place in this public. Yeah, and and I think that we're at a very interesting stage right now, and we'll talk about this on some other shows too in the coming months, in that finally large organizations are taking cloud computing very seriously. I think Amazon had a lot to do with that, but I also think Microsoft is a big influencer there because, of course, they've really gone all in on cloud now, and I think it's kind of saving their bacon, to be honest. Uh, And, of course, SAP is in the cloud, Oracle's in the cloud. All the, the major players are now recognizing and appreciating that cloud is the the new norm, if you will. And I think we have a really interesting and dynamic and challenging period of time from now until, let's say, five years from now, as we all get much more into a cloud-enabled environment. So is, is that kind of where you see your guys playing a significant role, is in facilitating cloud migration, if you will? Yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we absolutely see our, our role there. And I think actually being cloud is obviously playing a, a, an enormous role just in terms of crunching the numbers and having that computing capacity available for customers to be able mm-hmm. to do some really, you know, gather some really extremely interesting insights. So if we can bring all of that data in and start, you know, um, yeah, yes, absolutely. So cloud is a huge part, and we're, we're seeing a, a huge number of our customers are, are going cloud first or cloud enabling their enterprises they see that as a key way of unlocking the data and uh, driving you know these these new business outcomes so for sure yeah yeah I can see you guys being an interesting bellwether company to talk to just because of what you're seeing out there right and I know that like three to five years ago still it was mostly small to mid-sized business using stuff like Salesforce stuff like Marketo essentially essentially all the marketing tools out there but now it's core business processes and, and to your point you can really decouple storage from compute so all of a sudden you can burst things into the cloud to crunch all those numbers very quickly and then send it back down on-prem with your results there's all kind of cool stuff you can do right Oh, yes, for sure. Oh, and, I, and actually, I think, I think cool. one of the things I think is sort of interesting with that is actually even tied. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so in terms of the, in terms of the, in terms of the, you know, like the bellwether side, I think it's been interesting for us in our own data science because we're starting to apply many of these techniques that we're espousing to our customers, which is that. And we have information about how people have been connecting systems for over a decade. We have one of the largest customer bases out there, and we have the longest history of all of this information about how people are connecting data together. And that's allowing us to get some powerful insights and be a bellwether for what customers are doing, how they should be connecting systems together, how they should be moving data oh, around. Because wow. we can see how yeah, that's good. most people do it, and we can recommend, hey, most people do it like this, you should do it like that too. 
Yeah, that's great stuff. All right, folks, we've been talking to Steve Wood right there from Del Boomy. We'll be right back with a roundtable discussion. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to DM Radio. Do you have a great idea for a radio show but have no idea where to start? Or have you been hosting a podcast for a while and want to take it to the next level? If so, you need the Gab Radio Network. To host a show on the Gab Radio Network, all you need is your voice, and we'll handle the rest. From technical engineering to full-service audio production and much more. Every show on the Gab Radio Network can be heard on our station on the TuneIn Radio app. Plus, we put all our shows on our satellite, which is accessed by 5,500 stations. And here's the best part. You can host from anywhere you want. There are many means to connect to the Gab Radio Network remotely, and our staff of highly trained engineers and producers will make you sound like you're right here in studio. So, if you want to be on the Gab Radio Network, the same network that hosts the Small Business Advocate, Radio MD, and Talkin' Pets, send an email right now to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. If you run a large corporation, small business, or anything in between, you need ads to help get the word out. A full page in the newspaper sounds good. A TV spot sounds even better. But let's face it, newspapers are essentially last-minute wrapping paper, and a TV spot is just expensive and basically code for bathroom break. Talk radio is different. Commercials cost practically nothing to produce, and the listeners are loyal. They like what they like, and they stay tuned in. When they hear about a new product or service during their favorite show, they can't wait to try it out for themselves so they can talk about it with their friends. And you know how radio listeners like to talk. If you want to add radio to your marketing portfolio, you need the Gab Radio Network. Gab Radio is the team of full-service experts you've been looking for, from writing to production, distribution, voiceover, and more. We make sure your spots are paired with the right shows in the right markets at the right time of day so the right people can hear. Since we're in over 100 markets across 34 states, Canada, and American Samoa, I'd say it's a pretty good place to start. If you want to know more, just email sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back here on DM Radio, diving into the world of data science and algorithms and machine learning and so forth. And uh, let's just kind of go around the room here to each of our guests. Again, we have this all-star cast today. We've got Carla Gentry, a data scientist for hire out there. We've got Stephen Smith of Eckerson Group. We have Stephen Pratt from uh, Noodle and Steve Wood. It's a collection of Steves today of Dell Boomi. Carla, first to you, there's some, sometimes when you really should not be using an artificial intelligence algorithm to do something, right? Sometimes you have to be careful and let people do stuff. What about that? Well, it's like we were talking about. Uh, uh, I think the people use algorithms to decide whether they're going to be released from prison, whether they're going to receive their parole, whether they're going to receive their credit, uh, I mean, uh, it's just used in a, an amazing amount of ways. Credit risk, <clears throat> a good example is, uh, you know, someone that did not get a home because based on prior FICRA scores, uh, you know, everything changed in 2006, 2007. You know, there were people that had excellent credit that their credit score went from, you know, 850 down to 450 because they had lost their home or something like that. You can't disallow these people from ever owning anything again just because we had the whole entire United States and, you know, had a bad time during that. So, I mean, 
think about things like that when you go and you build these algorithms, and, and we can't just put everybody in silos. We can't just say because mm-hmm. your your credit score is this, you can't get this loan. Uh, because there's a lot of people out there that deserve, you know, to, to have a home and can afford a home. But, you know, unfortunately, because of things that happened in the past, uh, you know, are not able to because of their credit risk score. So, you know, we, lo- we mm-hmm. look a lot at historical data, but we have to think also when times change. You're talking about the cloud. I mean, now we get a lot of our data from social media where we used to get it from point of sales and from, you know, surveys. So... Keep in mind that things have changed and don't always put everything 100% and uh, make it depend on artificial intelligence for the decision. There has to be someone there that has that final go that says, why did you, you know, not give them credit and, oh, because their credit score was low. Yeah, but they've paid on time every, every year since then, since 2008. So, you know, I mean, maybe they just don't have a lot of credit. Maybe they decided that... They didn't want to use credit cards at all anymore because of the debacle that happened with the credit risk. So we just have Mm -hmm. to be conscious that our decisions influence human beings. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Stephen Smith, there in the break, we were talking about some other challenging areas for using algorithms, for example, and some of the regulations coming down the pike are pretty serious, like GDPR. We've talked about many times on this show. It's it's from the European Union. Of course, they're uh, they're pretty rule friendly over there, meaning they like to have a lot of rules. And uh, one of the rules with GDPR is that uh, if someone opts out of your database, let's say if you're Google or Ford Motor Company, whoever, and it's a European Union citizen, they say, oh, I don't want you to have my data in there. Technically, as I understand it, you have to then go and retrain any model that was trained using that piece of data, right? Yeah, that, that's definitely one interpretation. Um, there is, there's, um, it really has to do with the opacity of the model um, because there's this definition of personal data, which means that whatever data you have could be linked back to an individual person. So conceivably, if the data is built into a model, uh, let's say my personal data is built into a model. I gave them permission to build the model um, with my personal data at the time, and then I later pulled it back. Um, as long as that they can't re-identify me from the, the model, um, you're probably okay because that wouldn't be considered personal data. So um, an algorithm like K-Nearest Neighbors that basically stores individual examples to learn from, uh, you'd, have to pull, you'd have to definitely recalculate the model for that. Um, a model like a deep learning neural network, maybe not, although there's been some research now. There's an example at Google where they trained it with a whole bunch of employees' faces, and it's just a big, massive equation you know, with numbers, this massive deep learning neural network. Well, it turned out they could actually reverse engineer it and pull out some of the individual faces so that they were recognizable. So it's a, it's a really, really tough problem, but it's definitely one you got to worry about because GDPR fines are 4% of total global revenue. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of money that can be charged. And, of course, uh, there was an antitrust fine just slapped on Google by the EU. I saw the other day $5 billion. That's with a B. So, like I say, they're pretty strict about yeah. those rules and, and how they enforce them. But just in general, it's, it is important to know when you should apply data science, science technologies and when you should apply, for example, better management or you know so, something else, some other solution from that. 
Uh, and I guess maybe I'll bring Steve uh, back in from Noodle, uh, Stephen Pratt. What what are your, some of your best pieces of advice for companies about when to use AI versus some other means? Right. Well, I I, I, I think that um, the this new generation of leaders and companies that everybody is going to be partnering with learning algorithms uh, to to do their job, and and I I would say that. Any executive or manager that's not using learning algorithms, um, I don't know if it's five years from now or certainly ten years from now, that they're going to be left behind and seem really outdated. Um, yeah. I would say where, you know, if, if you're looking at where, where to where to apply, I would say using starting using learning algorithms, focusing on things rather than people. Uh, mm. So focus on manufacturing, inventory, quality, safety. Uh, those kinds of things is really important. It, it, it gets very uh, dangerous and um, and sometimes even crosses ethical lines when you start applying AI to, to people. In fact, if you want if you want to see a good uh, or someone who can act as a very bad example, look at China. Uh, so China using facial recognition to track their track their citizens and then giving them scores and. And not allowing them to travel if they if they don't support the party. Um, there's right. a lot of very powerful things you can do for evil for evil in AI. So um, the mission of our company is to use AI technologies to create extraordinary good. So um, I would focus on things where you can increase safety. Um, you can uh, you know re- you know reduce waste. Um, uh, those kind of things and. Uh, you know, I, th- I think when you start getting into even human interactions like chatbots, we're uh, we are not fans of chatbots, right? I think the technology is um, not quite ready for prime time, uh, except in very simple yeah. cases. Um, so I would focus on things rather than people. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice, by the way. I have to say, I think it's a very useful um, piece of insight there, because a uh, things are fairly contained and of course you know you can't kill a thing right but you certainly can't kill a person and people are just very 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 complex and human behavior is very complex i think we're a long way from really being able to crack the code in terms of how people behave so i think that's fantastic stuff and and steve wood i'll throw it over to you as well in terms of advice for when to use these technologies when not to and you guys have such an interesting perspective in this integration play you know, just looking at your site to remind myself um, of some of the things that you're doing and, you know, connecting data and applications and processes and so forth. That really is the new nexus, it seems to me, and it's an important place to be looking because as this migration to cloud computing continues, we're going to need to have a lot of flexibility and we're going to need to have the capability to manage highly federated environments, and it's going to be great to have good insights about what works well in that kind of environment and what does not work well, right, Steve Wood? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, that's a big part. I mean, clearly our role in this is trying to unlock the data and get the handle on the data that's flowing around your organization that's sort of less about actually, you know, the actual, you know, what is a good use case for machine learning and not, but actually just giving people access to the data. But I, but I would say anecdotally, I mean, some of the things that we have seen, and I would completely reiterate the points made earlier about, like, 
you know, sticking to things and not people as much. I mean, we, we certainly see stuff in sort of guided experiences and we see stuff in contact center environments where people are, you know, kind of going through these guided um, journeys. And it's easy to kind of say, well, let's put a virtual assistant or AI or boss in front of that. And that can actually be very powerful. But you do, you do need to think about the actual business objective or what drives your actual the best business outcomes. And, you know, you know, for example, you know, you could, you know, you could say, well, hey, let's use machine learning to reduce call times. Well, the easiest way to reduce call times is just to hang up the phone um, rather than actually <laughs> having a productive conversation. That's a good you know, point. Like, you just feel like that's, that's the fastest way. Yeah. So you have to say, like, what are the, what are the, what's the business value? What's the business outcome you're going to get? And so we do see that with the people, and I would that that's where it gets tricky. And, and like anecdotally, uh, you know, I, I know some people who work in a very popular messaging application scenario, and they've been looking at using some more and more virtual assistants for you know short content where you need to infer the intent of what the person is trying to do, maybe through a threaded conversation. But the accuracy is shown to be quite bad. A lot of the companies they've been looking at. Like 30% of the scenarios seem to be reasonably accurately handled with AI, but the other 70% are still being handled by actual human beings. Uh, mm-hmm. So you see it still as an automation, but there's a lot of people behind that automation, and I can't seem to get the machine learning to get up to scratch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, those are all so, excellent um, points. So those are the scenarios that we see. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great stuff. Well, folks, it's been a fantastic time today on the show. What a great bunch of guests. We had Carla Gentry, resident data science out, scientist out there in the real world. Look her up on LinkedIn, uh, at data underscore nerd, I think is her handle. We had Stephen Pratt of Noodle AI. Talk to those guys about outsourcing some artificial intelligence for your company. And, of course, we had Del Boomi and my good buddy Stephen Smith from Eckerson Group. Wow. Data science, it is the future. Check it out. We'll catch up to you next time, folks. You have been listening to DM Radio. This segment of programming sponsored by CyberTime Network Communications. How's your internet? Slower than what you were paying for? Feeling boxed in with the high cost of the internet? It can be frustrating and expensive, and with net neutrality coming, it's not getting any easier. Ready for a better high-speed internet service? And you're ready for CyberTime. And they're local and right in your own backyard. CyberTime provides connectivity for all our transmissions you're listening to at KCAA. CyberTime is locally owned and will respond to your needs with the best service. It's crisp, cool, fast, and sleek. CyberTime uses the latest, leading-edge microwave technology to be able to offer clients a safe, reliable, public or private network that fits almost any budget size. Numerous local city agencies rely on CyberTime's microwave private network for their most critical mission applications. You should too. Get connected, stay connected, get smart, get CyberTime. You can Google, text, or call CyberTime Network Communications at 909-795-9559. CyberTime Network Communications in California. Mesa. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley.